Welcome back to the Good Business Podcast here with DBNN. My name is Danny, and I'm your guest co-host for today. And I am joined here with Chris Dowling, who is the Joint Managing Director of the Cairngorm Group. So thank you, Chris, so much for coming on today. No, delighted to. So excited to speak to you. And what an incredible story the business has got behind this and with yourself as well. And we'll deep dive into that. But as a brief overview of the business, Cairngorm Group specialise in providing whatever you need to maintain and improve your home from windows and doors to conservatories and just about anything else in between. So here at DBNN, we are really interested in looking at good business and we know at the heart of good business is the people behind them and the stories that they have to tell. So what I'm really interested in, Chris, is finding a bit more about you. I wonder if you could explain who you are and what your role is in the company. Certainly, and uh, delighted to be able to take part in this this today. So, as you say, my name is Chris Sterling. Uh, I'm the Joint Managing Director. So, this is a family business, so run it with uh, my brother, hence the Joint Managing Director. But we couldn't quite decide who should be Managing Director, so we, uh, we toss a coin and we do. Some brother rivalry, so, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, out with here, um, I'm married to my wife, Sarah. We've got two kids, 11 and 16. And uh, we also pastor a church together, my wife and I. So we've got quite oh, wow. a, a bit more of an unusual interest out, out with the business uh-huh. as well. Oh, incredible. That's really interesting, actually. Um, so I suppose what I'd love to know about you as a person, because I, it really is at, at the heart of good business, is the people behind it. So what do you think has, you, has influenced you within your career? Who or what has really influenced you in bringing this business forward over the last few years? I think uh, I think my, my faith has a big, big impact as a Christian. That that certainly impacts uh, what I do and, and how we try to operate and the values um, of the company. Uh, but as I say, we because we are a family business, and I, I worked alongside uh, my father for for many years, and he's still he's still about to some degree. Uh, semi-retired, <laughs> a phased withdrawal is, is what we the term it's, we've used. It's hard to get out of it, isn't it? <laughs> um, but no, but my, my father has been a huge influence. Obviously, um, I worked alongside him for many years, and and I think it's. It's not perhaps one person. Um, lots, lots of people yeah. over a long period of time that's had an influence. One of our other directors, Graham Bennett, he was here uh, when I was when I was just a teenager. Uh, he's wow. been an influence to, to me as well. Our current finance director, Paul, our operations manager, Robbie, there was a, a great guy we had. And uh, when I was just starting off, called Mick Lowe, ex-military, and was, uh, wow. was really, really disciplined, and uh, really taught me the ropes. Him and Robbie, particularly, almost I almost became like their apprentice when I first started. So lots of lots of different influences o- over many years. Mm-hmm. I think what's really incredible about like the stories that I've been speaking to a few businesses today is to hear about the kind of mentoring they've had. It sounds like for you that started kind of like a a young age, almost coming up in the business and learning off your dad and things. Well. Yeah, and, and I think that I think the dad was quite keen that it wasn't just his influence that actually I was exposed to different people and different ways of working and different styles, which I think has really helped me. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I was I was thirteen when I first did my you know my first summer holiday job here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people over a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And there's probably like obviously you'll have a very close uh, family tie into the business. There'll be a lot of passion and drive, but also a sentimental value. But what would you say motivates you the most in this business? This might sound a little bit of a cliche, but the um, it's not making money. <laughs> uh, which uh, if our bank manager sees this might freak out but, but to be honest yeah, it's actually the thought of making a difference 
Yeah. And I'm sure as the conversation goes on, we'll, we'll touch on different aspects of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, we as a family, we've we've been part of this community for, for many, many years, you know, mm-hmm. since 1953 when we first opened. Wow. And we, we care about Inverness, we care about the Highlands and we actually want to put something back and make a difference in the mm-hmm. place that we live and work. So you were talking a little bit how you entered the business from a young age. So tell us about your journey, where you started to where you are now. What's been a particularly memorable or challenging moment within the business? What's really tested you? So I think going right back to the very beginning, uh, as I said, I, I did my first work experience or summer holiday kind of work when I was 13. And the, <laughs> back then, the, I, I genuinely always wanted to go into the business. Uh, my, my sister, who who, had, who did a little bit, and we all did a bit of work in the mm-hmm. summer holidays and, and different stuff, different points. But the, my sister chose not to come in. My brother at first said he didn't want to come in, then did come in. I always knew right from day one it was what I wanted to do. And I remember my grandma sitting me down when I was probably 11 or 12 and saying there's no pressure to come into the business. And that's one of the questions you get asked a lot. Family business is a pressure or expectation to come in. For me, genuinely, there wasn't. I, 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 I'd been around the business. I thought it looked quite fun. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to do it. So I, I left Melbourne. I was in Melbourne Academy. I went to left when I was 16. Then went to Inverness College and did an HND in business. Mm-hmm. And the, I never quite went on to do the whole degree. I was, I was education out by the time <laughs> I'd done the HND. You were ready to enter the oh, world of work. It. I was done at that point. <laughs> But the uh, but one of the one of the good things about it was that uh, being in college meant I was in college like two and a half days a week. So I was able to go to college and then come into the business a couple of days a week mm-hmm. as well. And I got that really unique experience actually of learning practically mm-hmm. in the classroom and then coming in later in the being week and into on. practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really helped me. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I think being hands-on and things, you probably pick up a lot more than you would in a classroom sometimes, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I think one of the most incredible parts of the story of this business, and we've touched on it briefly already, is actually the family ties to this. Now, I noted that you're currently celebrating an incredible 70 years in business, so congratulations. That is just such an achievement, Thank and you. I'm sure many people listening to this would would absolutely agree so can you tell me a bit more about what's been happening in the business what's kind of the the future progress of where you're hoping to go yeah i mean the if you think you know from the what were very humble beginnings the so we we started off by a shed down by the river in a place called duff street which i don't think actually exists anymore but the, the, the waterfront just right around the corner from well street we still got people going to well street somebody looking for glass oh wow and, uh, that's when you know you've left a mark yeah it was 20 years later and we still get people saying oh, i thought you were well street but uh but no very humble beginnings that my granddad tells the story that you know back in those days only running water we had was a condensation running down the wall and my great grandma actually used to go to the river to fill the kettle that was you know mm-hmm. it's from so from that to, to what you see now uh, a lot of uh, good times in the mix, uh, some more challenging times. You, you asked in your previous question about you know memorable, challenging moments. Uh, I remember the kind of the, the the banking crash of two thousand and eight, which was particularly difficult yeah. uh, for our whole sector, the whole construction really. So we kind of had to battle our way through that, reinvent ourselves. The we introduced new products back at that point. For example, solar PV was, mm-hmm. was something we introduced which nobody had ever really heard of or done at that point. 
and uh, that, the government at that point were throwing money at subsidies and it just kick-started the mm -hmm. whole thing. So the, we, we've seen a lot of change uh, from just bits of greenhouse glass, picture glass to conservatories like we're sitting in in the showroom or the PVC windows. And, and I think what the future holds, I think it's probably, uh, in some respects, I want to see more of the same. That might not sound overly ambitious, <laughs> but I think the, where, we are, where we've positioned ourselves now is what we've always wanted to be at the cutting edge of firmly efficient products. Mm -hmm. So high performance windows and doors, tied in with the solar panels and the battery storage that comes with them now. Mm -hmm. So very much a focus on energy saving products for yeah. the home is what we've been trying to cultivate over the last 20 years. Yeah. And we touched briefly there on how the business has obviously adapted over time. And you were originally founded as Cairngorm Glass Company. So that was in 1953, which is a, a long time before I was born. <laughs> Um, but what else can we expect to see from you and your team in the next couple of years? I know you were talking about like maybe wanting to have some stability, but is there anything that you'll be branching out on or any exciting things that you can share with us that you might be planning? Yeah. So one uh, one thing is to maybe clarify, people all, we use the term Cairn Gorm um, because the, at one point we had a place in Perth, Elgin and Inverness and mm -hmm. we needed a name that kind of suited yeah. all the locations and the Cairn Gorm's kind of in the middle of all that. But the, the company's actual name is, is still Inverness Glass Company. Oh, that is was it? it the, still the, the registered company at Company's House from 1953. That's still our kind of legal identity. That's quite nice, yeah, actually. It is. And, <laughs> Staying and with the roots. <laughs> kept it for, for quite deliberately mm. um, over the years for that reason. But I think the, looking forward, uh, the one of the, the areas that we're looking at quite seriously at the moment is how we build conservatories and a different way of building them and a more thermally efficient product mm -hmm. which is quicker to build and so some of your listeners might be familiar with you know the concept of uh, passive houses that kind of building yeah. mm -hmm. basically a conservatory model which we would kind of mirror that uh, so we're hoping to do something in our showroom towards the end of this year beginning of next which is uh, which is why it's a bit of a building site at the moment if you come in because <laughs> we're in the process of designing and, and working out what that's going to look like and i think as well developing the solar side now now that the batteries have become really affordable for people yeah. and mm -hmm. the you know you, you we're out my wife and i were out at the moment our, our solar panels are charging up our batteries at the moment and when we go home at night we draw from the batteries mm -hmm. before we draw from anything else so those kind of uh, technologies have always excited us and we look to try and captivate or use more and more. Yeah, it's great to hear that like you're adapting the business because yeah. I think a lot of these issues that you touched on, you know, even like solar, yeah. that's going to become more and more the norm now, which is really interesting to hear and definitely interested about the, the other sides about the building that you were talking about as well. I also noted that the Cairngorm Group won a Community Engagement Award in 2022. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that and about giving back to the community, is that something that the Cairngorm business really values? Yeah, I, I think it's it would be one of our core values, mm -hmm. uh, right from my grandfather's time. The, we, we do, we, over because it's our 70th, we've been doing a lot of reflection and, and storytelling, as you can imagine. And one of the stories my granddad tells when we were back at Well Street, back in those days in the, in the 60s, the glass used to come in wooden crates packed with um, straw. 
Oh, wow. And uh, there wasn't pet shops really to the same extent. Uh -huh. you know? And so they used to give the kids the straw from the glass packaging for their rabbit hatches because the kids couldn't get straw oh, any that's other so way. Lovely. So it's, it's kind of these little things that have been really ingrained mm -hmm. uh, and that we were brought up with. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is uh, one of the, the real positive things I think the Scottish Government did back in 2014 when they introduced the new procurement bill was they really challenge and hold companies who get money from the Scottish government for they might be building a housing scheme or a school. The challenge in the, to the mm -hmm. contractor is, what are you putting back in the community mm -hmm. result of it? We're giving you all this money, so what yeah. are you putting back in? So uh, one of the things that we, we wanted to do, and I'd had this thing for quite a while, was to set up some sort of more formal way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two years ago, we went through a bit of a personal tragedy when my sister uh, died of cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, thank you. And uh, so we wanted to kind of do something to remember her as well and honour kind of her memory. So the whole thing just kind of came together at the right time. Mm -hmm. So we set up what we call Jennifer's Fund. And the, it's really designed at uh, community groups and smaller charities that perhaps aren't able to get the kind of big funding support mm -hmm. that some of the better known charities get. Mm -hmm. So they're really what we would call micro grants, so grants of up to a thousand pound. And we encourage people to apply. And then four times a year, we look at the applicants and give that money back. Mm -hmm. And it's been really pleasing to see some of the projects that have been supported uh, here in Inverness and, and across the Highlands. Are you able to give an example of one of the projects yeah. that you've helped with? Yes, um, there, there's a couple that, that come to mind. So there was a, there's a, a local church called Inverness Christian Fellowship that my sister actually attended at one point and they were running a holiday club over the summer mm -hmm. to help and a big part of that was feeding kids. Yeah. That maybe. And one of the challenges that, that we have in society is that kids that rely on school meals that gets to summer holidays they don't have that option yeah, so what do yes, they do yeah. so they were one uh, or a charity or stepping in to help that as well we also one of the first things that we helped fund was uh, something called starfishes which is a, an additional support needs a parent and toddlers group here in Inverness we actually did that that was one of the catalyst projects for for, for coming up with Jennifer's mm -hmm. fund uh, which was, was particularly nice and then one another one that springs to mind was a local counselling service and especially given what everyone's been through in the last few years, the strain on mental health. Gosh, yes. That, and, and so this, this charity worked specifically with like relationship counselling mm -hmm. and so family dynamics, because obviously being stuck in the house for so long with everyone, it was a huge strain. Yeah. So, and volunteer led, but just need a little bit of help. So to be able to do that was quite pleasing. That's absolutely incredible. And you know, I, actually, the amount I hear about the Karen Gorm Group, and I, I'm Highland-based myself, is one of these ones that I hear constantly. I, I would say it's great marketing as well, <laughs> but it's definitely integrated into the community as well. Um, I suppose that brings me on nicely to my next question, which would be, is there a vision that drives the business? And if so, how do you get your employees to buy into that? Because I know it's a family business, but you'll employ staff as well. So how do you keep those core values and the drive of that business with your employees too? I think one of the one of the strap lines that we use is tougher, warmer, smarter. And the that's a kind of uh, more modern version of the old one, which was made in the Highlands for the Highland weather. And <laughs> the, which is which is genuinely is actually true, you know. Yeah. The, we when we're making our windows and we're choosing our products. We, we could choose all sorts of things from anywhere, but we specifically choose what we know is going to work well and keep the, the worst of the Highland weather out. Yeah. And I think that, that value of wanting to provide something that's not the cheapest, 
that is uh, what we believe value for money and yeah. it's the quality yeah. and trying to drive up quality through all the time. And the because we're a, a what we call an ISO 9000 registered company, so quality management system, mm -hmm. we hope that that quality standards and obviously fil filters through everything that mm -hmm. we do. And certainly in the factory and the production line, there's quality checks every step of the way. So that, that's one of the main things we try and put, you know, front and centre of all that we do. Yeah, I suppose that will be very important in Highland. You can get four seasons in a day. So you need yeah. something for the Highland Gales and then the beautiful mm -hmm. sunshine when it appears every so often as well. Um, I suppose I, what I'd love to know as well is how important is it that your team are invested in the vision and the goal that you have for the business? It's absolutely critical. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's that's the hardest bit probably is how do you keep putting how do you keep reminding yeah. them how do you keep feeding that in and and I think one of the uh, one of the ways that we've hopefully managed to do it reasonably well is because we are very hands-on yeah. and you know we're, we're, we're in here with the staff you know mm -hmm. that you saw our kind of open plan office through there you know all the doors are open so we're hearing the conversations that go on with the staff and the mm -hmm. customers. If there's something we hear that we need to address, we can do it there and then. Yeah. But hopefully the staff know that if they're unsure about anything, they can come and ask mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And it's very much a kind of a family feel atmosphere yeah. that we yeah. try to create. It's, it's one of the words that's been used about, you know, the, the company a lot in terms of we are a family business. But it's very pleasing sometimes when you hear the staff's say it's just like a family yeah and that kind yeah. of vibe and so we've worked hard at trying to create that family feel as much as possible and it's not easy yeah the, the bigger you get and the more staff that you have mm -hmm. but, but we try yeah, yeah i suppose that's what's quite special about this business and if you were an employee it's like you know it, it very much is within the family so i suppose being feeling like you're very much a part of that and a yeah. part of the goal will be really important yeah. to the business for sure. So Chris, we all know how important marketing yeah. is in business. And we actually touched a wee bit about this even before we were recording. So how did you decide to go about marketing your business? Now, obviously you've, you've come from a place where the business was established by your family before you, but where has it kind of taken your marketing since you've been in the business role as the director? So uh, my, my father always had a saying that, you know, 50% of the advertising you do will work. The problem is we never quite know which 50% it is. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And the, you know, we, we, I think in any company you have, you have to try a number of different things mm -hmm. because the, we, you know, we want to try and hit people at different kind of levels. Mm -hmm. What's worked well for us in the, in the past, I mean, I remember the days when Yellow Pages was the app, you had, if you did one thing, it had to be Yellow Pages, but half the people now probably won't even know what a yellow page is. <laughs> I don't you think know. I own one anymore. <laughs> no, you probably won't. Nah, and it used to be the old phoning people up during yeah. the tea and, yeah. you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But now now it's very much uh, swung to the digital side of things yeah. as well. So the, you know, in terms of your question, about, you know, how do you decide? We, we try and listen to what experts tell us. Uh, we try and, you know, read and, and listen to podcasts and even read books about what works and yeah. what doesn't work and then try and distill and fine-tune that to, to what for mm -hmm. what for our, our kind of needs are but the the one of the things that we've always done right from the word go is the local papers and the i think there's something for us around supporting local press yeah. and the independence of that and the importance mm -hmm. of that so actually by and i guess that's part of the way that we put back as well uh, but also I think you know there is still a lot of people that are interested in local news and will go to, uh, 
I'm trying not to mention any specific papers, but you'll know the ones I'll be referring to <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That, that will go there for, for news and updates and, and our, our adverts will be in amongst it. But the swing to digital has been the big change in, in mm -hmm. my time and Google Analytics and search words. Mm -hmm. And and now the, the it's, it's about how do we now target advertising more? Yeah. So you put an advert in a local paper, it's a bit of a scattergun approach, yeah. to be fair. You put a, one on the, on the radio, you know, you're hoping somebody might listen to it. But now with things like some of the, the stuff that you can do with Sky TV and even the radio and Facebook, it can become so targeted now and people in the demographic yeah. and different geographical It's quite areas, amazing, isn't it? That's, that's where we're now focusing a lot of our yeah. attention. Yeah. I, I think it I think it's kind of the way that things are moving forward and yeah, I can't say I own a Yellow Pages book, but it's quite interesting to hear mm. that was maybe the way from before. So how do you continue to learn in order to reach more people? So you're talking about that, like that swing of marketing. And I suppose it's like it's evolving even more each day. So how are you keeping on top of that, making sure that you're reaching the right clientele? I like what you said about, you know, really buying into your local community, because I think particularly for the Highlands, look after the highlands they look after yeah. you and um, do you want to maybe expand a little bit more on that yeah and i think i go back to what i said a minute ago in terms of it surrounding yourself with experts surrounding yourself with people who actually know a lot more about this than what we do mm -hmm. yeah you know i know how to cut a bit of glass we know how to make a window you can't be an expert in everything yeah and i think you know you have to have a wee bit of humility sometimes in business to recognize that where our, where our limitations are yeah and that i i don't know how to put a website together and I could probably go out there and learn. Yeah. I'm not going to do it as good as someone that does yeah. it, you know, and has gone and studied that at uni or whatever. So it's, it's, I think it's around, surround yourself with experts, listening to what they're saying. And a lot of it is trial and error. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and taking the time then to analyse uh, the results. A, a professor who was way cleverer than me once said we should let the data, you know, dictate our decisions, yeah. drive our decisions. And that always stuck with me. And mm -hmm. I think effectively, with, with especially the new type of marketing that you do, yeah. there is a lot more data that helps mm -hmm. make the decisions a yeah. little bit easier. I think a lot of what you said there will resonate with people. I, I know it does with me. I, I've just started a business myself in the last six months. And it's really looking at where you can outsource and sometimes taking your pride out of it and saying, okay, I might not know everything on mm. this. Um, I think it's really important. So I'm glad you've touched on that. And I know we've talked a little bit beforehand, before we even started recording about the pandemic. But what I would love to know is how has the pandemic changed your thinking on engaging with customers online? Now, during the pandemic, we've seen a massive shift from people who were engaging with services or products and they were doing that online instead of going in the face-to-face -face kind of customer service that we'd seen for many years before. So what was the impact that that's had with connecting your customers um, and your customers online and what has it had on your business? Yeah, I think the, the, the COVID uh, years were interesting for, to say the least <laughs> and uh, as we were chatting before I remember the one of the last things that we did before we locked the place up for for the first lockdown was to phone all the, the companies the radio the paper and say right stop everything right mm -hmm. and I was then on a, a, a zoom call or a webinar type thing within the first week and they quickly pointed out that actually that loads of people at home that are scrolling through Facebook on the internet you know it was or, the or, prime time, wasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And suddenly thought, oh man, they're right. We've made a mistake. <laughs> and within a week, it was like, not only did we reinstate everything, we mm -hmm. ramped everything up. 
And one of the things that we did was we gave people the, or the opportunity to submit their own sizes and, and their own you know, questions. Mm -hmm. And we tweaked all our kind of inquiry forms that, um, uh, that made it a lot easier for people to send us the information where traditionally we will go out to see people. Mm -hmm. They were able to send stuff in and we were able to deal with it remotely. The, the one, cut, one thing I will say that uh, we've probably swung away from that and back to what we used to do. It's funny because everyone's saying COVID will never go back to the way that used to do things, mm -hmm. but not everything that we did before COVID was wrong or mm -hmm. bad. And actually so much of uh, our type of selling is personal. Yeah. And you, you've probably seen already in the time you've been in here, the number of people being in and out the showroom, because if someone's spending a lot of money in a conservatory, you're not going to do that over the phone yeah, or via email. Yeah. They want to come in, they want to touch it, they want to feel it, mm -hmm. uh, get a feel for the size, mm -hmm. you know, and, and be able to sit down and really talk through people what their needs and requirements yeah. are. So actually we put a huge emphasis actually on the face-to-face -face aspect mm -hmm. of business mm -hmm. and I think we probably always will. I think you're, you're quite right because I know if I'm spending a lot of money, you know, I'd want to see somebody in person. I feel yeah. like everything online and by phone can be kind of clinical sometimes and, you know, customer service is so like at the heart of like selling anything in business, isn't it? And getting that right. So... Here's a personal question that I would love to know. And for a lot of our listeners who will be listening in, they might be at the start of their journey of uh, starting a business or somebody who's thinking about starting a business. Now, your family has had an incredible run with the Cairngorm Group and quite a massive success with it. So what would your advice be to any entrepreneurs that are looking to start a business? One of the one of the phrases that uh, is often banded about is that uh, risk equals reward, and uh, I would say that risk plus cost equals reward, and and I think the one of the reasons that perhaps people struggle to get their business off the ground is there's not enough spoken about the cost that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound very doom and gloom, but we'll get the positive in a minute. <laughs> but I think that yeah, you have to be willing to take risks. You know, my, my great-grandfather in the 50s gave up a salary in a company car to leave the central belt to come up here because he saw an opportunity. Now that in, in the 50s, that company massive. car was unheard of. Yeah. So he took a huge gamble in, in, in making that decision. Um, then came the cost. You know, there's sometimes in the early days of business, you might actually not be able to afford to pay yourself. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of it. And I think it's it's having the mindset where you go into it going, it's 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 a bit like the iceberg. You know, you still see the tip of the iceberg, and that that's all they see. All they see is a successful person with their yacht or their villa in the France. They don't see what's underneath the water. Mm -hmm. You know, the years of 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 long hours and low pay to get to that yeah. point. And I think, you know, my, my advice to anyone would be be realistic about the what it takes. And there are some fantastic stories out there of how people have come up with a brilliant idea and overnight their business has been transformed and now, now they own a yacht. Right? Yeah. But those, those are the exception. Yeah. You know, it's taken us as a family 70 years to get to this point. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, and I think it's about not putting that pressure on yourself to think just because that person on the TV made millions in five years. Yeah. That's not the reality for the mass, vast majority of people. Yeah, yeah. And actually to play the long game. Yeah. And actually, you know, and be realistic about what's what's achievable. Because in amongst all that, you've got to find a balance to life as well. Yeah. So, Chris, how do you think developing your team helps your business bring greater value to your customers and your service users? 
I think the the more that we can invest into our staff, uh, the the we have that creates a kind of a long term team. And I think one of the you know some of the customers that we've had, we dealt with them for years. So the more consistent we can be with our staff, that helps that relationship with the customer. And I think it's like anything, the more that we invest and try and develop people, mm-hmm. they grow, they become better, which means the product becomes better yeah. and the service becomes yeah. better. So it, it's actually a, a no-brainer really yeah. in many respects. When you're talking about the personal development of your team, I suppose the more you invest into that, the better skilled and confident kind of a team you're going to have who are going to offer a better service in the long run as well. So it's absolutely. a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the company culture like here? I know you said it, it feels a little bit like a family. How do you motivate and support your employees? Again, when I was thinking about this this question, I think it's lots of little things. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, trying to... For me to be the one to speak about the culture, maybe you should ask the staff. <laughs> and you might get a different answer, but I, I think I think we do have a high a high value on people um, yeah. and staff and customers. We we do try and treat this place like a family, and that's the feedback we get from staff mm-hmm. over many years. Uh, in terms of motivating, I, I think it's it's lots of little encouragements. Um, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to stand up every morning or sorry, you know on the first Monday in the month and give a, a rousing speech to try and G everyone up. You know, that, that might be some people's style. Not Steve Jobs then. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I think the best way to motivate people is getting alongside them. I um, think so. how, how can I help you today? Is there something you need help with? Um, Recognising the the little moments that they do well and mm-hmm. speaking into that, yeah. recognising that, comp- you know, you've done a really good job there, thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that those little moments make more of a big difference than some grand gesture. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. It's like having the, having the respect and the support of yeah. your colleagues is probably one of the most important things. So I won't see you doing any big rousing speeches anytime <laughs> soon then. Is that what no, I'm hearing? No. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> maybe at the Christmas night out maybe, or something. <laughs> what would you encourage young people to start a career in your business area? What, was the, what would the advice be that you would give to them if they wanted to start in something similar? I, th- I think uh, you, ha- you have to know it. You have to learn about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and we're we're very fortunate in this country to have a university you don't have to pay for. Yeah. And while you know, lots of our family family members didn't go down that road. I certainly went to college for a bit, and some of the what I learned in college, especially around accounts and finance. Some of that stuff you have to go and learn, yeah, and and not be afraid to go and learn. And it might not be the favourite thing that you you love doing. I actually really enjoyed accounts. If I hadn't done this, I probably would have been would have, oh, been, a, would have been an accountant. That would have been my <laughs> second choice, maybe. Uh, but the but I think actually you have to put the effort in. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you want to be a joiner. You got to, you got to go through that first mm-hmm. few stages. You know, making the tea, sweeping the floor, you know, yeah. that that's all part of it. But actually going and learning, finding good people to be around, you know, who are the people who've done well in the industry that you want to be in and try and learn from them. I'm a huge, huge believer in work experience as yeah, well. Sort of, and yeah. we, we've we've done many, many hours um, of work experience, had hundreds of young people in over the years. And obviously that's what DOIW is, is, does a lot of as well. And for me, work experiences is about ruling things in as much as it is ruling things out. Yeah. Or the other way around, should say. But you know, the in my my son, uh, when he did work experience early in the year, and he had an idea of what he might want to do, 
he went and did work experience. Now he doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And you know what? That's great. Yeah. Because actually he's realised, actually, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this instead. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's, again, what we said about, about marking, it's a bit similar. Sometimes it's a bit trial and error mm-hmm. to you find exactly what it is that you want to do. And how do you think, um, why do you think your customers come back to you? I think the it's, it's really interesting because we've had a, customers that I've dealt with my grandfather my father and now oh, my wow. brother and I and the no I, pressure <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think the, the people people need to know they're getting quality yeah for a fair price you know and I think that's that's got to be um, a huge part of it and when things do go wrong the which they do um <laughs> how do we put that right and how quickly we put mm-hmm. that right and I think we've worked very hard at those three things you know the price the quality and the, the, the customer service. And I think, as you said a few times, especially in a place with the Highlands, where oh, yeah. it's it's a large village, we all know that. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to be going into Tesco on a Friday night and someone shouting at me. Whisperings. You know, oh, you know, my door's got a draft in it. And, you know, we don't want that. And we no. don't, you know, and, and it's not it's not right apart from anything else. So the but so we work very hard to try and make sure that we, we get these things right. And, and I think, you know, when, when we make mistakes, hold our hands up, we've got this wrong, this is what we can do to put yeah. it right. Uh, and I think that gain, then regains credibility. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Probably the best marketing tool up here is actually the Highland people. You'll be aware and conscious that consumerism is at an all-time yeah. high and customers are more likely to be driven by a commitment to making purchasing decisions that have a positive social, economic and environmental impact, that last one being the kind of uh, more pressing one, I would say, at the moment. So could you tell us a wee bit more about what your team is doing to meet the demands of the conscious consumer? Yeah. So I think that on the, the, the social bit, the, obviously Jennifer's funds plays into uh, a, a big part of that. Uh, as I said earlier, that was a lot of personal reasons for why we wanted to do that. Uh, but it is also a part of the bigger picture of, of, of what we want to do as a business in terms of that giving back yeah. to the community. On the, on the environmental aspect of it, it's been an interesting journey because for it seems to be like the buzz thing at the moment, yeah. you know, what are you doing about your carbon footprint and what you're doing in, in the, on the green agenda. And it was back in the early 2000s that we first started working on this. And it was something called the Kyoto Agreement that came out, I think it was the late 90s, which was kind of the first time the United Nations got together mm-hmm. and said, we need to do something about greenhouse gas. Yeah. And it's the construction and the window industry was one of the first to, yeah. to really kind of do something. And it was all about putting coating on glass that reflects the heat back in, not out, which is kind of standard yeah. the, now these days, but it wasn't back then. Um, and the so we th- this has been a huge part of what we've done for actually a long time. PVC uh, windows, they can get a bit of a bad rep at time because people think they're not environmentally friendly. And yes, there's some oil that goes into the, the, the original production. We can't get, you can't escape that in, in lots of products to be fair. But one of the things about PVC is that um, it can be taken out and be recycled up to 10 times before it loses any of what they call its virgin qualities, its original properties. And the the British Research Establishment, the BRE, you'd say a PVC window would be expected to last at least 40 years. That window can then be taken out, recycled up to 10 times. So in theory, you can get 400 years out of a PVC window. Wow. 
and everything that we have here through in the factory, every bit of PVC offcut, every bit of steel, every bit of um, um, glass, everything is taken away and recycled. All the paper in the office, the rubbish in the canteen, absolutely everything that we have here is recycled. We have solar panels, as you can imagine, uh, on the roof um, that we're driving down the electricity. The factory in the office is heated by a biomass boiler. So but we, we, we did a lot of this a number of years ago mm -hmm. um, because Partly we could see where the way that things were going, but again, yeah. we actually do believe in this, yeah. and which I think comes out in the products that we sell, high efficiency, energy rated windows and doors, along with the solar, and it's just part of the ethos of who we are. Yeah, and I'm sure your customers will be wanting that. We've seen the the heating kind of crisis yeah. in the last few years. You know, you want windows that are retaining the heat, and it. I'll, I'll kind of come on to the future now, uh, Chris, and, and with the business. And what what do you think is next for the business? What area of the business do you think has the most growth potential in the next few years? I think the, uh, in some respects, I think it is more of the same. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the, the things that's really interesting at this moment in time, uh, we've got more and more inquiries around the solar, the, the battery yeah. storage, the, obviously the, the cost of energy has is, is, is driven that um, at a time when the technology is generally becoming affordable yeah. uh, for people. Um, that coincided with what's happening uh, with the Freeport. Yes, I was and, going to mention. And mm -hmm. the 20 to 25,000 new jobs in the next five years. Yeah. Are, are, and however that actually works out in reality, but let's assume that that figures are correct for the moment, there's an awful lot of houses needing to be built yeah. in the next few years to be able to cope with that. And so that's really our kind of focus is, is what, what can we do to play our part in that? And who are the house builders speaking to local authorities and making sure that when, when people are thinking about putting a spade in the ground that, that we are one of the first companies yeah. they think of? Yeah, I suppose it's it's a great time to be in your business because it's uh, it, it, they say the Highlands is actually going to be like kind of like the the epicenter of the net zero kind of targets that we want to reach in Scotland. So it's certainly an exciting time with uh, the Freeport, and it's it's interesting to see the impacts that you know a lot of people can just think of the direct impacts at the port, but then it's like businesses like yours that are going to have growth off that as well. So yeah. very interesting to hear about. What would you say is your aspiration uh, for the business for the future or for the next 70 years? I'm not, I'm not sure about the next 70 years. I'm not sure I'll, <laughs> if I'm still sitting here in 70 well, let's years. Let's hope it's still here in 70 years, yeah. though. <laughs> I, I think we just, we, we want to keep doing, we want to, we want to, it's not about size for us, I think is the first thing, you know, our, our ambition is not to have a factory that does 5,000 windows a week, for example. And that might sound very unambitious and might surprise people, you know, surely you just want to keep growing and growing and growing. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, uh, speaking personally, I think there's a balance to fight, a work-life balance. Yeah. I think it's about having that right for, not only for us as a family, but for the staff as well. Uh, I think, you know, if we're running 24 seven, actually the quality of life becomes very poor yeah and and that's not what we that's not again part of who we are so i think i think just uh being content actually yeah. with, with with what we have contentment i think is is a, an important word in business as well and not always to be chasing after the next thing yeah and and actually making sure that we're building on a solid foundation one of the the, the big lessons we learned in the early to late 2000s around the banking crisis and all the crash that happened then ourselves included you know we had borrowings we had bank loans we had built factories uh you have to have a way of being able to pay all that back 
in the good times and the bad. Yeah. And I think actually just continue to build on a solid foundation one year after the other is actually what's really important. On the, the work-life balance, I remember speaking to my grandma and it was my, my grandma's father, my great-grandfather, that obviously started everything. And I said, why a, why a glass company? You know, And she said, well, they, they wanted a business, they wanted their own business for a start. And they looked at a, lot, a number of different options, including opening a hotel, mm -hmm. but they wanted a business that was Monday to Friday, which gave them the evening and the weekends for family. Yeah. And again, so that's that's in us yeah, uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. I just think it's it's been so incredible to, to sit and, and chat with you today, Chris. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about your business? Um, I guess I guess it's a thank you. Um, we have received incredible support over the last 70 years from the from the people of the Highlands and uh, hopefully uh, we, we've done them proud. Uh, we're, we're being as active as we can to put as much back in as we can mm -hmm. uh, and, and that will continue to be a huge priority for us. What can we give back? Uh, we've, been, we've been blessed so how can we be a blessing uh, and, uh, and just please continue to support us and thank mm -hmm. you for, for 70 years of standing by us. Yeah, and here's to another 70, hopefully. Yeah. Chris, how can our listeners connect with your business in person or online? Have you got any uh, tags or anything? This is your time to give it a wee <laughs> shout out. So we, we have the, the, the usual social media uh, channels, the Facebook, the Instagram. Uh, we have our website, kierngormgroup.co.uk. And the, one of the best ways is actually to come into the showroom here at Longman Drive. Mm -hmm. If people know where Booker's Cash and Carry is, we're just opposite <laughs> that, around the corner from Cali Fissel Stadium. Uh, and actually come in and meet the people and see the products, touch and feel it, see the factory, see where the things are made. Because uh, it's quite unique, I think, the setup that we have here for the Highlands. Yeah, it really it, it, it's quite the incredible showroom, I've got to say. So definitely get yourselves down here, folks. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely incredible to hear about your story um, and the amazing work you're doing in the community and with your staff here as well. So best of luck for the future as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining in for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. Um, I'm sure you can agree it has been such a, a great conversation here with Chris today. There's lots to take away. Um, you know, this podcast is all about getting to uh, the heart of business and at the heart of business is its people and the people that back it up and support it every single day. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you on the next podcast.